Before we start today's episode, I want to share a lovely review of the podcast with you all. This one is titled Amazing Podcast, and it comes in from Sarah Ann9898 via Apple Podcasts. She says, I have been absolutely loving this podcast. I found Hannah on TikTok almost two years ago now and quickly became a follower and Patreon subscriber. She shares wonderful witchy information and is so extremely personable. I highly recommend this podcast to all of the witchy people out there. Thank you so much, Sarah, for your lovely review and all of your support. It truly warms my heart when I read these and get to meet lovely people like you, which I have done in my Patreon. It's been fantastic getting to know you and I'm really grateful for your review today. Welcome to Witch Talks, a series for spiritual seekers, witches and enlightened souls. I'm Hannah the Suburban Witch, an intuitive tarot reader, astrologer and eclectic witch and I hope you're ready to get up close and personal with your favourite witches. If you are listening to this podcast around April 1st, 2022, this is actually the first day that students can be on my course, The Art of Psychic Divination. If you missed out on securing your spot, I'm here to let you know we have opened the doors for sales for one extra week. This means we are closing those doors on April 8th. So if you haven't got your spot yet, make sure to hit the link in the description box and stay tuned for the promo of the course details. The Afterlight Institute proudly presents The Art of Psychic Divination Level 1. In this course, you will learn to identify your number one psychic skill so you know where to focus your energy. You will learn the foundations of psychic divination, crystals, herbs, and the different psychic senses. And you will feel confident in identifying, interpreting, and understanding the signs and symbols from spirit, guiding you in your everyday life. The Art of Psychic Divination Level 1 featuring Hannah the Suburban Witch. Identify your number one psychic skill while learning everything you need to know to start connecting with the spirit world now. The Afterlight Institute. Ignite the light, magic, and miracles within. In today's episode, we're chatting with Devin Hunter, the best-selling author of the Witch Power series, host of the Modern Witch podcast, the Modern Witch blog, and creator of the Modern Witch magazine. We have so much to talk about today as Devin is an initiate in many occult orders and has even created his own traditions. He is the founder of Sacred Fires and the co-founder of the Black Rose tradition of witchcraft. He is a veritable fountain of knowledge and I may be fangirling just a little bit at the fact that I get to chat with him today. He is joining us via Zoom all the way from California. Hey Devin, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. It is so great um, to have you I'm, here. I'm super excited. I'm, I, it's so fun to be on the other side of things. And so it's, it's like, I don't know, it's a treat. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're very welcome. Now, it's a big deal having you on the show, as I'm sure everyone can tell from that intro. You are a busy man. You have a lot of things that you are doing. And I usually start off by asking, you know, what you do in the witchy world. But for you, I want to know what brings you joy outside of your work as a witch. Well, I really, right now, and I'd say for the last four or five years, especially, I've really just been playing with my plants. Um, it's It's got me through the pandemic, and um, there was this really beautiful burst of excitement around plants, um, and especially houseplants and stuff uh, during the pandemic, and so... Uh, that has been fun because there's suddenly all kinds of new resources that there weren't. And so, you know, really when I'm not doing witchy things for, you know, somebody or something or whatever, I'm, I'm just, I got my, my fingers in some dirt and I'm playing around with some plants and just kind of having a good time. It keeps me grounded and uh, inspired and all of those good things. But of course I then turn it into work, right? Because... <laughs> I have a book coming out on plants now, but so that's like a whole thing, but, but plants, honestly, it's my, it's my chill time. I also do a lot of volunteer work when I can. Um, and although it's not quite volunteer work, cause I did end up somehow in a position where I get a I get a little money for it now, but, um, where I work with kids and, um, teenagers and the, in the performing arts. So that's a really fun thing to be able to do as well. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of like what, you know, that keeps me normal and, and you know, part of the rest of society. And I like that because otherwise I'm just like the, the kind of crazy wizard off doing his own thing, you know. 
Well, I love that. And I didn't know about the volunteer work as well. That's, that's really awesome. And volunteer work is just so rewarding. So it's, it's great to hear that you're getting into that as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't, it, I do it cause I, I literally love it. And so it doesn't feel like work um, though, you know, it's one of those things, but, um, and now, like I said, now I, I do get a little, little some, some, so you can't really come. I know. There's no complaints here. I, I, everything worked out really, really well, but I, awesome. it's all about, it's, it's really about getting and working with kids and just, you know, that kind of a thing. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Are yeah. you, are you interested in the performing arts yourself? Yeah, I have a big background in performing arts. Um, I classically trained musician and uh, I used to have a really good singing voice back in the day. And so, and I was this close to going to school and getting my degree in music education. Um, and so I, but I really love dance and, um, and that's one of the reasons I have a very weird artsy background, but I did a little bit of everything and, um, uh, obviously music stuck. I don't know how you can have music in your life and it not just, you know, permeate everything. Um, and even walking away and focusing on other things for a couple of years, it's always there, you know? So, um, yeah, performing arts are a really big part of my life. And I think as an occultist too, having a background in performing arts has been really helpful and ritual and um, just, and, you know, approaching some of those, um, those stranger topics in the occult, having a little bit of a performing arts background has been really helpful. So um, I, I it, you know, it's one of those things that can't really take the witchcraft out of everything I do because it because somehow everything I do becomes witchy and so even the you know, performing arts became a witchy thing for me in, in its own way. I totally understand and I think it obviously would serve you really well doing things like your podcast and I'm sure you do classes and stand up in front of people and mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff where it is it can become like a performance and you know having those speaking skills that come from all of that is it's priceless it's fantastic. Yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, so going back to the plants, do you mainly focus on indoor plants or do you have like a, a big garden outside that's going crazy as well? A little bit of both. So my, um, I would say my specialty is, um, is rare indoor plants. We'll just, mm -hmm. we'll say that. And a lot of it's tropical plants, um, things that, so I live in California, but I'm in Northern California, which is really dry and, um, things and it gets really hot things catch on fire here it's, it's a little like australia parts of australia yep. <laughs> um and so it's dry and things catch on fire and so it's hard to have um a, a lush beautiful garden sometimes out here and so it's been a lot of learning to do native scaping um understanding what is going to do well what's not going to do well there's a lot of experimenting that we have to do and there's also a lot of microclimates the area of california i live in is just full of microclimates so i could drive 30 minutes away and you're in a completely different like, there's fog there there's no fog here you know there's mm. it's, it's very strange so um and then even in your i mean we all have this if you have a backyard even your own backyard has little little mini microclimates so it's it's always it's weird to grow things out here though um, so a lot of my attention becomes the stuff I can grow indoors, right? And the stuff I can keep alive, <laughs> you know, if there's a drought or something. And, um, and so, and that slowly creeped, you know, I'm also with a Taurus who, uh, he really wanted, we, we all started having, we all realized at some point in our relationship that we had to have our own offices. We had to have a space we could go and kind of close and get away from the world and each other, right? Because you're around each other all the time. I mean, we live together, we work together. It's like, we're always together. So um, we're like, no, 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 everyone needs their own space. And we happen to have a, a house that uh, when my partners first got together uh, and they first got the house is because they were taking care of one of my partner's uh, older mother. And so basically she was able to have downstairs and they lived upstairs and ran a business upstairs. So they had, they got a house with some extra rooms. And so we were able to basically go in each of us have our own the three of us were able to this is before we got with matt um now there's four of us it's very confusing um but uh we able to get our own offices and, and mine was a very uh heavy psychic space mm -hmm. and uh my partner chaz being a taurus he did the exact opposite his was this very open very lush beautiful he started bringing house plants in and i started to get very jealous 
of his house plants and the and it was he had very very basic stuff he was just like going to home depot and bringing whatever you know um and very basic stuff and but i still got jealous because they were I'm like that's so pretty I so and the background is that i have a uh, a really good history with um, landscaping and farming. And I come from an area where I come from a very rural area. Uh, my mother owned a landscaping company when I was a kid. And that was my first job was working for her in a landscaping company. And then I worked on a produce farm that also um, bred and uh, raised flowers and things like that for people. So um, it, I was used to that stuff, but house plants was like, it's always it a whole other kind of mess of stuff. And I didn't really jump into it too much. And then, of course, being a witch, your your attention is never drawn to house plants. It's always drawn to like obscure, poisonous things or herbs mostly. Um, and you know, so I found myself in this this predicament one day where I didn't have any lush beauty in my life that was like in my immediate space. I had to go to my partner's office if I wanted to have like a, a plant in my life, you know, around me. Everything was dying outside because the drought was so hard here at the time. And then things were catching on fire. And so you couldn't even go outside. You couldn't breathe the air. It was like really bad. And so I just was like, okay, this is it. If this is the apocalypse, I'm going to start, I'm going to start, what, what would I do in the apocalypse? I would start A, trying to raise my own food, but that's not going to happen right now. Uh, and B, although I did, I did, we did start that process just in case, you never know. Um, and uh, I would start doing that thing of raising plants everywhere in my space that I would have a, a nice, so that's what I started doing. <laughs> I started just collecting things and having, um, and I just started to fall in love with, speech there's a story that's untold with houseplants which is that a lot of these things um have been in cultivation for a very long time hundreds of years in some cases like the african violet has been in cultivation for hundreds of years and it's a um it used to be something that like gardening was not women's work women were not allowed to garden at one point in time um it, the belief were that flowers were too vulgar and they would give women dirty ideas and we just couldn't mm -hmm. have that yeah. Ooh. Oh no. Uh, Victoria, the Victorian era was, was fun. Let me tell you, um, <laughs> queen Victoria, she had her own flowers and she raised her own flowers, but that was, she was all about like breaking down, um, some of those things, but there was, there's a whole thing to, to, uh, keeping women outside of it. And because it, uh, horticulture was a, a boys club and it was like, you had to be a rich, mostly British guy in order to be part of, you know, the scene in this world. Um, and so, during that time, there was a lot of um, uh, just kind of keeping things quiet. It was kind of like how we have covens and traditions, right? You'd They'd breed something and only they would have this thing and you'd have, you know. Um, and so for a long time, it just was so hard to access and get access into it. If you weren't a rich white guy, it wasn't happening. Um, and then, you know, obviously over time, women got introduced more into it. They kind of just stepped in we're like no 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 <laughs> we're here and we're doing this and you can't stop us now uh, which is great and then the everything obviously exploded but during this time there's a lot of um uh conservative conservancy conservancy that's happening um which is going out and finding species that are actually going extinct and uh, or that can only be found in one part of the world and so if something happens to that uh system that plant will be gone forever. And so this was how a lot of it was framed, you know, back in the day it was first, it was like, oh, look at these pretty flowers that we're importing from China and from, you know, these places. But then we started to realize that, oh, these things can only grow here in these special conditions. And if anything were to happen, or this is this deforestation were to continue to happen, then we're gonna lose something that is, could be actually quite precious. There could be medicines in this, or there could be, you know, some, you know, key to something else here. Also, it's life, right? It's this beautiful thing that the planet made and it would still continue to exist if we hadn't, you know, come along. So that's what, when I started to understand the background and the history to houseplants, um, it really piqued my, my interest in a way that I 
I don't usually get interested in it. I mean, I, I'm very into true crime and I'm, very, I'm like, that's my kind of stuff. So like plant history was not what I thought I was going to be obsessing over. Um, but there's so much, there's just a lot of stuff there. There's also no magical history to it basically whatsoever outside of the indigenous cultures that may or may not be familiar with the plant in the way that we in the West, like in the West, it's all about taxonomy. You want to have its name and it's da 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 da. But in a lot of these indigenous cultures, they did not see plants in the same way that we see plants. Plants were just part of the world. It wasn't about, you know, and there of course were special plants and special things, but to take that knowledge outside of, and I think we've seen this outside of an indigenous context and try to apply it to a bunch of other things, doesn't work for anybody very well. Mm -hmm. And so I have no interest in that whatsoever, right? If, if, I, if I can go to Ecuador, I can go somewhere in South America and have you know, a, a shaman explain something, I will be there 100%, but that's gonna be between me and that shaman, I feel, you know, that's, that's that. I'm not gonna publish that kind of stuff. Um, so I also realized there was just no, nothing about it. Like I'd look up uh, a plant and that I was in love with, like a alocasia dragon scale, which looks like a dragon scale. And uh, there's no magical information about it whatsoever. And I'm like, well, this is stupid. Like what, why, right? And then, I, and then being who I am um, and not accepting that, <laughs> you know, it took me on this whole other radical course of, of things about why things why correspondences exist the way that they do and who's responsible for that and, and a bunch of other stuff so um i found that there was this this entire world of of magic that was completely unexplored mm. so and with, that was with a lot of these these house plants are mm -hmm. you then basically going straight back to scratch and saying okay this is how it looks that you know because i know a lot of plants how they look mm -hmm. can tell us what they're good for you know this has heart-shaped mm -hmm. leaves maybe it's really good for heart opening for love magic that sort of thing and then looking at whether it is you know edible whether it is poisonous and sort of crafting these magical meanings just from your intuition that's, and what I, you I, I think that's 30 percent of it Mm -hmm. And I think brilliant for you to say that for you to bring those up, because those are the two big things. Um, there's what we call the doctrine of signatures, which is where we get the idea that if something looks like something, then it like an organ or, um, you know, something we're familiar with, like a heart. Like there's a lot of heart shaped leaves out there, mm. like a lot of heart shaped leaves out there. I um, use uh, violet leaves in a lot of my love magic because they look yeah. like oh. a heart. Yeah, absolutely. It's perfect. And that's one of the reasons I think violet is associated often with love magic, which mm. you only start to see that more often since like the seventies people talk, at least here in the States, but it wasn't, wasn't something that was traditionally there, but I think it's because you've got those heart shaped leaves. Um, so you like the doctrine of signatures, which I think is, is it works really well. So to not apply that, I think would just be like not applying the Dewey Decimal System when yeah. you're cataloging. You know, it's like what? Uh, so, I, so absolutely, Doctor Signature uh, is there. The other part of it, though, is that I'm a medium, so I like I run off of spirits. That's and, and to me, witchcraft is synonymous with with working with spirits. So, a lot of it actually is talking to the plant and um, experimenting with it. And so, like, and I'm not an author who writes about stuff he doesn't do. And I know that was like a thing for a hot minute, which was more about the, theore the theory of witchcraft and the theoretical practice of witchcraft based off of having an understanding of correspondences, mm -hmm. which anybody could do. That's why you could sit down with your friend and be like, oh, you need to cast a money spell. You just do dot, 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 dot. You could just whip it right out because you, you're familiar with it. Mm -hmm. So there was, a, there was a lot of writing about witchcraft for a period of time where people weren't doing any of the witchcraft they were doing. And I don't want to be that guy. Um, so I, and I learned so much when you're experimenting and I'm so into magical experimentation. Um, and so a lot of it is working with the plant, looking at my plants as I'm like, yes, right. We did that. We did this. Uh, but you know, so I, I work with, um, the plant spirit and try to become familiar with that. And that's a whole other thing. And with house plants, uh, because you have so many, uh, cultivars and so many variations off of the same like plant. Mm -hmm. And so you can have, uh, 14 different varieties of well there's more there's like 200 something syngoniums out there and do each of them have a different plant spirit mm. Be, even though they're just they look a little different and they have it so there's there's a lot of interesting stuff there well now um, i want to know the answer do they have a different spirit? the answer is no or the answer is yes <laughs> they all have their own plant spirits um mm -hmm. they're all different it's more like a family um and they all they're all just like you know cousins. brothers and sisters and cousins and yeah mm -hmm. that's that's the feeling anyway when i'm working with them so um and so you get introduced to those things and then you're like well what? 
you know, what else is, is there behind that? Um, and so, you know, a lot of it, is, a lot of it's that, and then, you know, the trial and error of, oh, well, I think this would be good for protection. So let's try this. Um, but the, there's also species association. So there's also certain plants that we, like you don't understand what it is because it's, it's folk name or it's, it's common name is, is very different. Like right now there's a, there's a plant called a, the, um, the Cissus discolor, which is this gorgeous, 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 um, uh, it's a, well, it's a Cissus, so it's a vining plant and everyone's like super all about it. Um, but it's actually related to a grape. And so it's, it's, and ficuses are actually figs. Mm -hmm. And so, and a lot of people don't know that. And so it's part of it's understanding that part of the background of it and going, well, you know, if you're going to go work with a ficus, right, which everyone, almost everyone's got a ficus in their house, you're going to work with ficus. Well, okay. Ficuses are fig trees. They're, it's the same, they're not going to fruit, but it's the same plant. And so you can't ignore the history of ficus and the magical associations or a fig, right? When you're cataloging and understanding and trying to work out what ficus is. So there's a lot of that associating and, and trying to trace the families and all of that kind of stuff, but a lot, but so there's that and doctor signature work and, um, try, you know, experimentation, but I, I, I would not be lying. And I I'm trying to empower people with every book I write to do this, that a lot of this is my gnosis. And a lot of it's me going, this is my, this is what works for me because that's what anybody else is writing about. They're just not wording it that way. Uh, I love this is what that. works for me and, and hopefully it'll work for you that way. Right. Um, and, and if it doesn't, that's okay. Cause houseplants are a great example of, you know, your grandmother had a pothos or something or a, you know, a devil's ivy is what we call them here in the States. And that's what you grew up with. You always had that there and you have a very specific association with that plant that no one's ever going to change because that was in your Nana's house. Right. And that's a special plant. And so that's a thing. And you can't ignore that because I say pothos is for blah, 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 blah. Mm. And so the importance of your own gnosis in witchcraft is I think just as important as, uh, uh, or, you know, as, as heavy as, as my own gnosis and you sharing that. I absolutely agree. I, I teach a course in uh, psychic divination. And mm -hmm. one of the things I talk about when, we're doing symbology or symbolism is everyone understands, for example, the symbolism of a rose, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Love, romance, sex, that sort of thing, right? Everyone understands that, but you may have had your own personal experience where the rose outside your front door, the first time it bloomed was on the day that your parent died. Mm -hmm. So now that rose is going to have a totally different meaning for you. Maybe yeah. it means death. Yeah. And now when you're right. doing your magic or if you're working with your divination or your guides or however you're getting your information, if you see a rose to you, that's going to symbolize death rather than love. It may also, so you have to sort of lean into which meaning you're right. getting, but that right. personal meaning is, is absolutely necessary to weave mm -hmm. into the traditional meanings or other meanings that you might get from other people's personal noses. And then over time, if more people start having a similar experience with the rose being death, maybe we get a new uh, verified message. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Fascinating. That's the way it should be done. Mm -hmm. sure, I agree. Sure. I love that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I can obviously see there is so much uh, passion and knowledge here from you. And that's why you're, you're obviously writing this amazing new book, Horticulture. That's what you've, you've called it. Horticulture. Yes. Yep. Horticulture. Yep. <laughs> So that's all the, yep. the occult knowledge behind horticulture, correct? Yeah. Well, houseplant horticulture specifically, because mm -hmm. I, I feel like um, the poison stuff is all covered. So if you want to know about Datura and Mandrake and Henbane, there's plenty mm -hmm. of books out there. Trees are covered. Uh, herbs are covered, right? Like we, there have been so many fantastic authors who have tackled this subject over the last hundreds of years that there's nothing I could add to any of that discussion. Uh, like I just finished a crystal book that's coming out in August and I found myself um, in the position of, you know, I always thought, oh, I can write a crystal book, I can write a crystal book, because I love crystals. And then I found myself going to write it and um, a big a big thing with me and writing is that I wanna uh, write things that haven't been written before. I wanna add to the discussion because I feel like the the privilege I have as an, as an author is that I, I am 
permanently kind of part of this discussion we're having right now about occultism. But I'm just a dude doing it. And, and in 10 years, there's going to be a whole new crop of people doing it. Uh, 10 years ago, there were a whole different crop of people doing it. And um, if we look back on, you know, the some of the like Crowley's work, Blavatsky's work, uh, Edifice Levi, you, you look at those things and, and you really can tell that they're having discussions kind of with each other more than they're having discussions with us as the reader. Um, and, and Dion Fortune was really bad for that. Like her, even like, I think a big chunk of, of, of her forward or her, her introductions were like, well, Crowley says this and, you know, and so it's like, eh, I, we're doing that. Right. But on social media, we get to do that so much quicker. So if I'm going to put a book out, I don't want to be just repeating something other people have, you can get online, right? I don't want to just go Google something. So, so being original is really hard because especially when it comes to plants and crystals, um, because those things have been covered. And so I was like, okay, I've always wanted to, um, I knew I always wanted to write a crystal book. I did not know that I wanted to write a plant book. So that was a trip for me. And then when it was really clear that it needed to be a houseplant magic book, then it was like, oh, okay, game on, you know, because <laughs> I realized it hadn't been done before. And now Juliet Diaz has a couple of houseplants in her, her late in her book, Plant Witchery. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she just did a phenomenal job with that. Um, and I love so, her, by the way, she's amazing. She's Side the shit. Dish. Juliet Diaz is amazing. Um, she's one of the, the one of the presenters at horticulture this year. Oh, so, awesome. and so, so while all this was brewing, I was like, okay, all right, I'm just going to jump on all of it. So, um, the book deal, you know, book deal happened, which I knew was going to happen, um, just because I knew no one had done it before. So I'm like, this is going to be a, an easy sell to the publisher. So while that was kind of brewing, I, I put together um, Horticulture, the festival. I put together, I started a Twitter account called Horticulture. I mean, all these little things just to kind of move things. I got the domain and, you know, all of it. Um, and so, yeah, so, I mean, my plan is just to focus on houseplants because I feel like it's been done a million times, you know, or everything else has been done and I don't want to be that guy. Um, and, you know, you when you've got Juliet Diaz and you've got Aaron Murphy-Hiscock, um, and they're putting out fantastic stuff right now that is so accessible about the rest of the plant world. I'm good, right? So house plants it is. So that's where we're at. And it just has to be, that's my exception, my, my obsession. So, okay. You know, and I, I wouldn't be the guy you'd come to for herbs because I don't care. And like, and it's not that I don't, I mean, I, I want to learn how to grow them. That's fine, but I'm not going to grow them because I have a limited amount of space on my property. So if, if I'm going to grow something, it's going to be something that I'm not going to have to struggle with. Right. And I live in California, so I can grow rosemary and some lavender and some sage. And that's kind of it with herbs or everything else is going to be kind of hard and struggle with it. So, um, so yeah, so I digress, blah, 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 blah. There's could get very tangential with it, but houseplants it is. Yes. So that's, that, does that even answer the question? I'm, I, I went off on a tangent and I, I did it. Now I'm curious, correct me if I'm wrong, this whole thing and what I'm picking up as you're talking, it feels very spirit led. It feels almost like divinely inspired. It sort of just has flowed through you and almost crafted this new path that you're now on. Is that how it feels for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, and I'm being really uh, vocal about it. Um, I went through massive, massive, massive burnout and depression. Um, and that came after writing all the books and getting on the other side of it. And what, uh, the thing that a lot of people say when you're, when you're on the other side of the publishing thing is that, oh, well, how did your life fall apart when you were writing the book? And, and I, I, you know, the first time I heard that, I'm like, well, that's bullshit, but it's, it's been the truth. Like people, every single time I go to write a book and it's contracted, somebody in my family dies Mm -hmm. and it's like a big fucking thing. So I will, I've had to like extend contracts and I've had to do it. And, and what that does is it makes everything but up against each other. And so I spent six years just writing, 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 writing. Cause you've written a lot of books. Yeah. We've got, so we've got four out right now Mm -hmm. and then we got the fifth that's on it. That'll be on August. And then sometime next spring is when horticulture will come out. Mm -hmm. So that's it's a been lot, a lot in a short amount of time as well to yeah. produce that amount of written content like writing books is tough that takes so well, much time the last two books with the the hard part was the photography because mm-hmm. in addition to doing the writing I had to do the photography and the writing is something that 
after the first three books, I, I figured out my rhythm with it. Finally, it took long enough, uh, but I figured out my rhythm with it. And I also learned like, I can't, I can write a book, but I have to, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, like a sink into a project kind of a guy. And so if I'm going to be writing, I, I shut everything down. I'm just writing for days and that's mm. just it. I, I'm not good with blogging where I just do a little thing every day. That's not me. Um, and so anyway, but the, the writing I figured out, I had a flow with, so I was, I, I, that part was okay. The word content or, or count was also like half of what it is for my other books because the photography is in the book. And so writing 45,000 words, that's not so bad when you've, you know, one of the other ones were like 90,000. Mm. My husband is, is putting out 120,000, you know, books in his books. So I'm like, that's eh, no big deal. 45,000 words, but the photos, the photos, because there's, there's a whole other group of editors. There's a whole other set of eyes that are on everything. And, um, and it's also more money, you know, for the, for the, for the publisher, because it's all in color photo versus just being printed off in text. Did you take and, the photos yourself? Yep. Yep. Do all the photos and the next one, same deal. Um, and so, well, there's one photo that isn't mine in, in Modern Witch. And that was because the layout editor really wanted it. And I was like, fine. Uh, but the other ones were mine. And so, um, because I wanted a pictorial of what witchcraft looked like. Like I, I, there was this fantastic book that came out in the, I want to say 2002 by a woman named Titania. And she was really big in the UK, like really big. She was like the UK's official witch kind of a person. And she came out with this book called Enchanted. It had this light blue velvet cover and you'd, it was the most magical thing I'd ever seen in my life at the time. And you open it up and there were photos in it that looked magical, but in that way that like any shot or scene from Practical Magic, the movie just looked magical because of the way it was kind of set up, like kind of almost cottage quarry kind of mm -hmm. a, you know, vibe. Um, and so that's what this book was. And it had this, and I, my boyfriend bought it for me at the time and um, it was my birthday present and I just loved it. And I, I held on to this thing for years and I would move and I would give everything away, but this book, because it was so pretty. But one day I sat down and I realized that none of the photos really match the text. Like, I mean, kind of, but it really, and, and so it, I realized, okay, this is an art book. This isn't like necessarily. And then my brain started cooking of like, mm -hmm. well, I could do a pictorial guide of witchcraft like I could totally do that you know and so that's where modern witch the book came from but um yeah all the photos that was a thing and it and it was part of the cell you know when you go to the publisher and you're like this is what I can do um it was part of the cell and they said no at first they they were like you need to do something else and so um, and I don't know if my editor would tell the story the same way, but I remember it this way. I remember them saying, no, this is, looks like it's going to cost a lot of money to produce. Um, we need to know that you can sell books first. And so write something else. And that's how Witch's Book of Power came out oh, or came I, to be. I never realized that the order was not how it almost came through to you. That's very interesting. You know? Yeah, I wanted to do Modern Witch first. Now, I had written, like when I was like 19 and 20, I had written a horrible book, a horrible manuscript called uh, Universal Witch. Now today, it would be eviscerated, eviscerated. Oh my God. People would be like, this is the most appropriated thing ever. Because <laughs> the whole point of it was like, oh, like there's a golden thread. Let's look at the golden thread. Yeah. And it just would not play well here. And Llewellyn, and they sent it into Llewellyn, I sent it into Wiser. I heard back from Wiser very quickly. It was a no. Um, and Llewellyn, it took weeks and weeks. And I finally got the rejection letter. And I was like, I'm never writing a book. It's never going <laughs> to And I gave up on it. Um, and then Llewellyn actually came to, uh, somebody from Llewellyn came to me, which was like amazing. And that's how the whole thing, and they're like, well, would you be interested? And I was like, oh, I'd love to write this, which was modern, what became Modern Witch. Mm -hmm. And um, and they said, you know, so we, we talked and eventually the blueprint for, um, the witch's book of power was there already like that wasn't the problem because i'd been teaching uh, a class that was it was the material from the class mm -hmm. um so i knew i could do that and that was the first run with was witch's book of power and just to see and then halfway through witch's book of power i knew that the next book would be witch's book of spirits mm -hmm. and that was a very trippy experience but all of this got down to i got burnt out so to answer your question flipping yeah. back there i got burnt out 
and it really drained me. And um, my my father passed away, and that was the person that was like the closest. Like, mm-hmm. so I was like everyone, you know, I say, but you write a book and somebody dies. That that's what happened to me, right? But so this last one was my father dying, and it really fucked with me, right? Excuse my language, but it really did. And um, I just and then the pandemic hit. You know, mm. so it was like oh, a bunch of stress and bad That's stuff. A lot. That's a lot. Yeah, to take on. It, it was a lot. Uh, it was. It really was. And so, witchcraft itself, as much as witchcraft saved my life, I, you know, I say this to everyone, and and I am very proud to be a witch. That being said, um, it doesn't always set us up to deal with aspects of life that are going to happen. Like your, your dad's going to die parts of paganism now come with like, there's like prayer work and, you know, there's a couple of other things, but I'm not, I don't really consider myself pagan and I'm, I've got nothing against pagans, but my, I, myself, I don't necessarily consider myself pagan. So, um, I just found myself, you know, for as much as I have all of this whole occult background, I found myself suffering and not knowing how to deal with it. And I, you know, all the meditation in the world didn't help. Meditation doesn't necessarily solve depression. Um, sometimes it can make it worse. And so, you know, it, it, um, it was a thing, it was a lot. And I, I went back to basics um, with my own practice and I found myself actually exploring Buddhism, which I'd always written off um, because being trained in the way that I was trained, Buddhism was always kind of laughed at. Um, because it, because of just its approach to life and, and the soul. And I found myself finding so much comfort in it, so much comfort in it. It was with the idea of like, life is life, life isn't, it's not that life is suffering. That's like, that's a misquote actually. Um, but it's that life contains suffering and you can't have life without suffering. It's just part, it, they come together, right? At living in order to live and breathe, you have to suffer. Mm-hmm. um, that, that comes with it. And so, and just accepting that on a very universal, you know, like this is it, like we all do it. The bugs do it. I do it. The elephant does it. We're all doing this thing and we're all coping with it in our own way. Mm-hmm. Um, was, it was a big deal for me. It was very helpful. And, and, um, and then, you know, studying other parts of Buddhism and, it, and I found myself being like, not that I was going to become a Buddhist because there's no way that's going to happen because we don't agree on everything. Right. Um, but, um, uh, I definitely found myself studying, uh, being a student of Dharma is what we like to say, if you're not a Buddhist, but you like the, the stuff. Um, and it was so helpful and I'm so peaceful. And while this was all going on, my plants were just, they needed me, right? Like if I didn't get up because I don't just have, a, I have, I have a lot of plants I have in my, inside of my house, this isn't a brag. This is an accident. I have like, a th- I have over a thousand plants inside of my house right now. Wow. Outside of the house, we have several hundred as well. And so, and part of it is, is that I started propagating because a lot of, like I said, a lot of these are going, well, not a lot of them, but I have several that are going extinct mm-hmm. in, the, in nature. And so you want to get them, grow them and propagate them as much as you can to send them out to other people in hopes that more people who can do that, obviously the, the plant will survive. So, um, so we started that like a madman. And so there's all of the propagations. There's like, but we have thousands. So there's, it's not a little, it's not a small amount of plants. Right. And so if I neglect them, it's, it's a deal. Like it's, it's everybody, you feel it in the house because everything's just, you know, so there'd be days where it's like, okay, get up and do it. And, and my, my, my grandma would go out or, or my grandpa would go out in his garden and it didn't matter what state of mind he was in, he would do his gardening. And by the time he would come out of his gardening, he was always in a really great mood. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he, he had the best sunflowers in the city and all of this, the newspaper would come take pictures every year, the whole thing. And so there's a point of pride for him. And then I realized that, you know, I love crystals because there's that energy from the earth that's there and it's, and it's, but it's also very cosmic in its own way, because what people don't realize, which is, I get to talk a little bit about in this, in the books that's about to come out, but so the crystals form on our planet, but they also, the same crystals form on a bunch of other planets too. And so there's actually this, as much as they are the fruit of the earth they're also our connection to the cosmos. And, and so there's this beautiful, beautiful energy that crystals have. And I think that's why we're so attracted to them in the ways that we are, not just because they're shiny. Um, and plants are like that too, but it's different because they're, it's a growing energy, right? So it's, and it's constantly changing and it's sensitive to the environment like we are. 
And mm-hmm. so it's that earth energy that I love in crystals, but it's, it's like living and, and it's playful and, you know, all of that stuff. So um, I found so much healing, all of this to say, I found so much healing and spiritual centeredness because of my work with plants and I mean, just working with them and, and getting, you know, no matter what mood and then leaning in on the magical aspects of it. Right. And going, okay, well, I'm a witch. So what would I do? you know, and what do we do, you know, with this stuff? I interrupt your listening pleasure to ask you if you're enjoying this podcast. I ask because this series is a labor of love. And if you like what you're hearing, consider signing up as a Patreon supporter to see its continued success. Not only will you receive exclusive access to my private Facebook group, but also monthly live readings and moon ritual worksheets. Head over to patreon.com forward slash suburban witchery to sign up now. And now back to the show. I feel way more capable at this stage in my life than I ever have before. And I used to think I was one capable mofo, you know, um, but then I had the, and it, and it was total burnout. It was career burnout, spiritual burnout. Um, you know, it's hard to be uh, a spiritual guide for people um, uh, all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and we had a shop where that's literally what we were doing all the time. Uh, and so it, it's, it's draining, you know, and so I did that for like 20 years and, and then, you know, all of the, everything, it was a lot, you know? And so if I eventually was like, drop it and I just dropped it and I was like, I can't do it anymore. Um, and I was so glad that I did. And I am so glad that I went through the burnout and, you know, and I had time to properly, um, process my father's passing and, you know, all of those things. And, you know, and that was like the worst thing with dad and, the, and I really retreated from, social media and stuff at that time. Cause I had said, Oh, my father passed away. And I had these people trying to like, give me magical advice on how to mm-hmm. communicate with my father. And I'm like, listen no, here, Melfo, like, nay, nay. First of all, <laughs> this is rude as fuck. Right. Second of all, I'm a medium. I'm sure I'm not going to have a problem talking to my dad and my mm-hmm. dad, like, you know, like we're, we're chill with that. And third of all, if my dad was going to need you to communicate this message for me, he's not going to come through some completely rando person on the internet. He's going to, you know, it was a whole thing. And I was like, this is, it's a sad, it's a sad day, but my own grieving process is now turned into a, a thing that can be weaponized. Right. And I was like, that's not cool. Um, so I, I, you know, went away and I went to the land of plants mm-hmm. and, and I healed and I got a lot of my, um, as my, as my mother would say, my, um, my, well, she she would say it in a couple different ways. The most PG way that she would say it is I got my, um, my vinegar back. And so I, you know, I got that, that thing and that little fire spark that I had that made me want to go write a bunch of books and go to one. It's back, which is great. Um, and I realized it just, we're, we're all suffering mm-hmm. and you have to heal from that suffering so that you can grow more. And, and I think okay. you make a, a good point earlier as well. And I can relate my grandmother who I was very, 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 very close to passed away last month. Oh, I'm so and sorry. Witchcraft cannot save you from emotions and it cannot save you from grief and it's not supposed to and that would be unhealthy it can give you coping mechanisms as can any religion and one of my previous guests rosie quartz when we we discussed deconstructing witchcraft uh, deconstructing christianity to witchcraft she had uh, said something that i thought was brilliant and that was most of the religions and especially with their afterlife concepts are trauma responses for humans as we have evolved And I thought that was mind blowing. Mm -hmm. And I think what a lot of people miss that when you lose someone, you're not trying to contact them straight away. That's not going to usually help. Uh, Most mediums won't accept someone who's recently lost someone. It's not ethical. It's not good for them. They need to go through Uh, the grieving healing process themselves. mm -hmm. And that's really important. So I'm really glad that you touched on that as well and took the time that you needed away from all of those people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, at some point you realize that you are more important than the noise, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's okay to be selfish with your own energy and give your, and it's, it's so funny because it, I'll, I'll make this a really short one. Cause you know, here goes devil's on a change it again. <laughs> um, but one of the things I'm constantly telling my students and my clients is that like, you, if your best friend came to you with whatever problem that you're facing right now, 
and you gave them advice, it would be damn good advice because you love your best friend. You do, you love them. You want the best for them. You're not, uh, if you're a good friend yourself, your, your own hangups and stuff aren't going to be associated with their success. So you're not going to hold them back from success and things. And so if you take your own, if you were to treat yourself like your best friend and, and you were to say, oh, this is the problem. And what advice would you give your best friend if it was your, you know, if their problem is your problem? And a lot of the times they give me this great advice, this beautiful thing. And I'm like, so fucking take your own advice. Just treat yourself like your best friend, right? It's not that hard. And so when I found myself in a situation, in this situation and I had my own words being fed back to me, it's like, well, you can't <laughs> deny, I mean, come on, you know? So it was that thing of like, okay, just let go, go take care of this and mm-hmm. everything will be here later. And it was, everything was still there everything was the world did not end mm-hmm. um you know the the emails were still there you know it was everything was still there so um and that was okay so taking care of you i think is uh, that's that was my lesson mm-hmm. um and it's my continual lesson um but i i because you can't you, so i think for me witchcraft is so much of an active thing and you can't be active all the time but when you need to be super active you need to be like powerful witch person you got to have your reserves like mm-hmm. there you, you can't come at it just completely drained it ain't gonna work mm-hmm. you know and that's that was a, that was hard to learn like the the like just the reality of that like i am not my best person right now you know well, they can't be as witches we are i i i find we follow the moon and the cycles of the earth and the moon mm-hmm. and nature and all of that and we're not always going to be heat of summer and bright sun. Sometimes we are retreating into that. winter under the dark moon. So I love that. We're going to go through That's all this. That's a really cycles. beautiful analogy. Yeah. So we huh, I like through. that. Yeah, there you go. Take I'm gonna it. I'm going to quote you. I'm going to quote you. I'm going to quote you <laughs> on that. It'll, be, it'll, be, it'll end up in something, but that'll, that's beautiful. <laughs> I really like that. Do you that's do you beautiful. do any form of um, ancestral veneration? Is that part of your practice? Not really. No. Um, and uh, this is usually a, a point of division uh, for me and other witches because I, I like, it's great, but do your thing, like know your ancestors, but I don't know my ancestors. Mm-hmm. And um, I've done, my ancestors that I do know um, weren't necessarily great people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's often and, a problem. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you know, like I, I, I know enough that um, because of, because of genealogy and because I've done the DNA testing and all that stuff, I know enough that like, nobody was over here in the states before uh like the 1900s and and so like nobody owned slaves that we know here but i don't know about in the uk or you know wherever else i come from like you know so there's things that like a lot of americans became very interested in discovering like that was a big thing did, did my ancestors own slaves and people we wanted to know those sorts of things yeah. I, I so i went down that rabbit hole to go try to find that out nothing so we've got some surname stuff um but you know and i know whatever the family crest would have been in in parts of germany but my dna doesn't show up with a bunch of german mm. so i don't even know you know and so and it was always kind of that thing and and um where i grew up there's um what we politely refer to as folk genealogy which is that uh, essentially um with the way immigration worked a lot of people just wanted to be american so they didn't keep their names or their names were forcibly changed. That was a big thing that happened too. Mm. Um, so they either they didn't keep it or, you know, they just, they got over here and they just wanted to assimilate very quickly. Yeah, Anglicize their um, names. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, Australia has a very similar history. <laughs> very similar. <laughs> one, start of, to think. one of my ancestors is uh, a convict. <laughs> uh-huh. And I'm thankful that a book was written about him. So I actually have a very in-depth history oh, wow. of that side of the family but he he's fantastic I'm quite rebellious myself so I think I get it from him because he came he was sent over to Australia as a convict escaped from prison what did he do uh he's he stole a loaf of bread like it was nothing of course typical he was 12 12 years old and got sent to (sighs) Australia um he was Irish and so he came to Australia escaped from prison when I think he was 16 when he escaped and they caught him again Put him back in prison. He escaped again, so they put him on an island off the off the coast of Victoria, South South Australia, right? So southeastern Australia. They put him on this island, which was a prison island. He escaped again, stole a boat, got back to the mainland, and I'm like, 
my ancestor escaped from prison three times. It's That's badass. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally there. Now that that's something to like invoke. Like that's mm-hmm. something that like you're trying to get out of a sticky situation. Be like, all right, I'm gonna, I know who I'm going to talk. Yeah, to. that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so, but yes, I totally understand, and I that's cool. get a lot of questions from people about uh, uncertain ancestry and that sort of thing. But it doesn't always have to be super far back as well. Like, just personally, I found placing my grandmother onto my ancestral altar mm-hmm. was really emotional and healing for me, and. You know, I've got some, you can't see it if you're just listening to the audio, but I've got some sunflowers on my ancestral altar behind me because her birthday was last week and that's her favourite flower. And, you know, that was a big emotional release as, as well, but it, it did feel healing or bringing her a cup of coffee, just sort of interacting with her energy, even though she's not here in the physical. So for me, if anyone out there is grieving and you do have an ancestral practice, I find that can be really beneficial. But if it's not part of your practice, then there's always other ways. Well, I think I, I also, I'm a, so I'm a medium, right? So mm-hmm. part of, like, I make my students create ancestor altars so that they can communicate more easily with their ancestors. Yeah. But for me, and it's not because like, oh, it's easier for me. It's just, it's like, I've always talked to my dead grandpa. Like, he's just like, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and then people older than that, I, I didn't know, I don't have an association with, or, you know, like I, I know I'm somehow related to the guy who killed president Lincoln. Oh, that's interesting. So that's a thing. Um, but I'm not going to be like, Hey, John Wilkes Booth. Can I, you know, so there's like that kind of stuff. And you know, the other part of it, and I'm just going to be completely honest because I think it's okay. And I think a lot of us kind of shy away from saying it, but it doesn't interest me all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because of my medium and I just deal with dead people all the time that it's uh, that, um, my interests lie elsewhere with, mm-hmm. with spirits, you know, and kind of a thing. Um, whereas I know a lot in a lot of traditions, it's it, you a big point of, of, of everything is ancestor work. And, and so, and I respect that and that's amazing. That's just not for me. Yeah. Um, I like the, the, so. I guess the, not the tradition of it. I think I, I do like that. The, the honor, the space of honor. I think it's that, mm-hmm thing that I like I've also got small children so I think them being able to physically see you know and my daughter goes and picks flowers and goes oh this is for the ancestor altar and she'll gift that to them so it's a really beautiful way of incorporating our children into the practice as well well and talk about like dealing with grief yeah having an ancestor altar is amazing for that like I I mean I have urns and things like that and Mm -hmm. um, it'd be similar to that yeah exact same kind of thing but so but I would say as I was going through my grieving process and I was talking to other people with their grieving process, one thing that came out a lot was people saying that having an ancestor altar to go to, because you, the other part of it is that you get to connect with that energy of grieving that everyone's done. Mm. And you also realize that your ancestors are, are in a way, in their own way, they're grieving for whoever just passed as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a way to connect with that. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, so a focal point as well, I find. Yeah. Today's episode with Devon was so fantastic and we actually ended up talking for over two hours. So what I've decided to do is break it into two parts. The first part, which is what you've listened to today, which was more on grief, a little bit of his journey, his story, and a little bit of background, plus the plants, of course. And the next episode is where we dive right into crystals and all of their magic. Plus we talk about his traditions, which is sacred fires and the black rose witchcraft tradition, which is fascinating. So definitely make sure to tune into that one, which will be airing in two weeks time. Thanks for listening.